Hi, I'm Lauren Clash-Snyder with Clash Notes for Broadway Radio. I'm here with Daniela Topol, director of Novenas for a Lost Hospital, playing off-Broadway at the Rattlesnake Playwrights Theater. Welcome. Thank you. Incredible that we get to have some time with you while you're in the midst of having this immersive piece taking place throughout the village. And let's, let's just dive right in. Novenas for a Lost Hospital is billed as a communal experience to remember, honor, reimagine, and celebrate St. Vincent's Hospital. It was commissioned by New York State Council on the Arts with support of the New York Legislature and Government. So, please first talk to us about the path to creating this piece. Absolutely. Um, Well, about three and a half years ago, I took over as artistic director of Rattlestick, and I knew that I wanted to create work that felt very relevant to the neighborhood. It's Mm -hmm. very exciting that we run a theater, that I run a theater that is in the heart of the West Village. The West Mm -hmm. Village is such a special neighborhood. It's so beautiful. It has such a rich artistic history Mm. and it feels quite singular in in an experience um so we decided to do a little walking tour around Mm. the west village as a pilot and while we were doing this project we got to the corner of bank and greenwich and Mm -hmm. looked into what is now the park, the New York City AIDS Memorial Park at St. Vincent's Triangle, where the hospital used to be. And the group sort of was getting along wonderfully until that moment. And then they started sort of arguing with one another and having different narratives of whatever happened and what happened to the hospital. And and all of a sudden, I looked at the playwright, Kuzi Cram, who was part of this initial walking tour, And we both knew that doing something about St. Vincent's Hospital had to be the subject of our next piece because Mm -hmm. it was very clear that there were stories that weren't told, that wanted to be told. There were many different narratives and that this felt like an essential idea to make a piece of theater about. Mm -hmm. So we um, were able to raise some funds from the New York State Council on the Arts to commission Kuzi to write the play. Mm -hmm. So we we raised those funds. She began the project. And then we did countless readings and workshops and nurtured it. And now here we are. Oh, my gosh. I love out of the walking tour. Well, first of all, just the impulse to have the walking tour. Then amiable, 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 and then arrive at a place and discover conflict or controversy and say, that's what needs to be a play. <laughs> yes, exactly. exactly. It, it, it's really quite, quite remarkable and how that came about and how you started it with something as, let's say, simple as exploring the neighborhood. Um, talk a little bit about developing the piece itself once the decision was made to do it and the commission was taking place with the playwright? For every reading that we've done of the piece, Kathy Chalfant has been a part of it. Um, Mm. We haven't ever done a reading that she hasn't been a partner with us. So in many ways, she's so fundamental to the development process. And 
you know, every creative team should be so lucky as to have an artist as talented um, and as special as Kathy. And so we began doing some readings and uh, about a year and a half ago, last June, we did a big workshop of the piece and it had some traveling elements to it. It had a prologue in, a, in our courtyard. It had an epilogue. And we were just discovering what this piece was and that as part of its foundational DNA is traveling, is walking. And so mm -hmm, we knew that mm -hmm. that wanted to be an essential part of this experience. And when we did it a year and a half ago, there were literally lines around the block to see it. It was people, four performances or five performances were not enough. And we knew mm. then we had to do this again and do it mm. more fully as many weeks in production. Um, so that's why we determined to do it in September uh -huh. of the uh -huh. following year. And it feels actually very much like an autumnal show. You know, the uh -huh. leaves are turning. It's We're sort of reflecting in many ways the pieces, sort of like a collective shiva for the hospital and those mm -hmm. who lost. And, mm -hmm. and it feels like for those who are Jewish experiencing the Jewish holidays, like it just feels mm -hmm. like of this moment or like just the weather's turning cold and we're reflecting on loss. And mm -hmm. that is a, a big strand of our work here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. For you as a director, it's not proscenium, it's not in the round, it's on the street on a journey of quite a few blocks. Talk about directorially how you guide focus and how you guide attention, how you keep it throughout the experience for the audience and the actors. Um, well, there's a prologue that's in a contained courtyard, and really the creation of that prologue was a really beautiful collaboration with our choreographer and our composer and the, those performers. We have performers who are musicians and dancers, and it's a, it's a hybrid of many different kinds of artists, but that's its own particular kind of environment. Um, that space determines everything. You have a very different experience depending on what kind of space you're in. So there's a particular feeling that the audience has in an enclosed garden, an enclosed courtyard, yeah. which is what part one is. And then mm -hmm. part two is a 90-minute play that takes place in our theater with the audience on three sides. And though not traditional at all, <laughs> compared to the walking part, it feels a little bit more traditional. Um, <laughs> and that and that is more like a play and structure that you would recognize. Um, and that that sort of has the typical rules of, of different kinds of work and different kinds of configurations. And then the, and then the audience travels together in song with their candles and their shakers to the memorial. And that um, also we've learned a lot from our preview audiences. We've learned what the audiences have needed, how much structure they need when traveling and how much they don't need. Um, uh -huh. And to be able to be both loose in structure, but also contained. You know, there's something very powerful about watching 60 people travel en masse 
from the Rattlestick Theater to the memorial, it's a very, in song, it's not in protest, it's in solidarity, it's in community. And mm-hmm. that is really powerful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I, it's just, um, to think about all the symbolism that it brings up and the references to something similar but not the same and that it's actually part of what this play is and what the audience gets to experience just directorially it seems like such an interesting unique and fun challenge putting putting you in a place unparalleled among your peers (laughs) I mean I would also say it's so interesting because the line of me being director and artistic director is really blurry in this case because this kind of piece so speaks to our core values at Rattlestick of being a place that does innovative and ambitious work in surprising ways that gathers people together around issues of social relevance mm-hmm. um, and, and and is in conversation with community partners. In this case, it's visual aids, it's Broadway Cares, Equity Fights AIDS, it's the center and the village preservation and um, so many partners, the New York City AIDS Memorial Board that are part of the making of the piece so it's really the line of what is rattlestick and what is artistic directing, what is directing is all really blurry in this kind of piece, um, which has been very unique for me just personally to experience. I can't imagine. Let's, let's talk a little bit about, and you alluded to, having Kathleen Shelfont in your company mm-hmm. and that she was a part of it from its origin. A little bit about the relationship between actor, director, writer, and creating a new piece. And you can give us examples. There is just so much trust. Uh Um, When you're developing something from the ground up, everyone has so much trust in one another because you are exploring and experiencing and taking leaps simultaneously, you know, at the same time. And mm-hmm. I think um, she's been through so many different iterations and has been such a, such just a wonderful partner in what feels, what makes sense, what makes less sense, what, what possibilities there are. Um, and we've, evolved and kept changing and discovering what this piece is because it's big and messy and complicated. So um, I would say that relationship has been truly inspiring um, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. very moving. The subject is very personal to her too. She's very open about the fact that her brother died at St. Vincent's. She used to live around the corner. Um, she was there really intensely with him in the last 18 months of his life. So I think the reality is that this is deeply personal. Um, mm-hmm. And you can feel that it's more than just a play. It's more than just a gig. And she's often the last one at the memorial talking to people. Mm-hmm. Um she just is so present in every moment in rehearsal. She is 
she has been extraordinarily present and every director should be lucky enough to work with Kathy Chalfant. Um, and then in terms of how the role has evolved, it is, it, it, it just, as, as any new play, you know, we're figuring out one speech needs to be longer or shorter, or this scene needs to be written and this rewritten in this way. But there's, there's a speech of hers in the middle of the piece that has never, ever changed. She has hmm. done it beautifully from day one, and it's the anchor of the piece. And, um, and I think about how many times I've heard her do it over the past couple of years every time I see the show. And I think in some ways so many things change, but in reality, despite all the development process, things are often fundamentally just where they began, really. Hmm. Hmm. Um, your role as artistic director and director and the meld of that, what's something that you've discovered about yourself as a, say, theatrical leader throughout this process? I've just been thinking so much about how fundamental it is to have meaningful partnerships with mm. different groups that have lived experience that relates to what the subject matter is that you're making. In this case, uh -huh. there's, there's a very important strand of the play, which is nursing. It's a big love letter to nurses. We've had many nurses in the audience, nurses who practice at St. Vincent's. And we have this nurse dramaturg um, named Fidel, and he has brought his nursing students. He teaches at NYU School of Nursing. And, mm -hmm. and that, that watching the impact of the work on theater goers who see everything is definitely been very moving and very exciting to see the way that this piece has really surprised them. But it's also been very moving to watch the way that this piece has impacted like I said, people with lived experience, the nurses, people are survivors of AIDS, people who were treated at St. Vincent's, people who lost loved ones at St. Vincent's, it's personal. And I think when it's personal, people just dig in more. And we're trying to figure out in the making of all the projects we do at Rattlestick is how to make sure that there is a really generous invitation for those who have lived experience and experience the play besides those who have no lived lived experience of a particular topic. And that mm. has been really moving to watch that alchemy. And I think mm -hmm. that is something I'm deeply interested in pursuing now and in the future. And there will no doubt be more in the future. Daniela, thank Aww. you so much for your insight and for the time. Thank you. It's a pleasure. I'm Lauren Klaas-Schneider with Daniela Topol, director of Novias for a Lost Hospital, playing off-Broadway at the Rattlestick Playwrights Theater through October 13th. Thank you.